And so, good morning. Uh, I'm in a very joyous mood this morning because last time I I preached was uh, during our our Advent season back in uh, December, and during that time I had just finished school, just graduated from college, University of Memphis, go Tigers, go! <laughs> and so. The reason I'm in such a great mood this morning is because I finally landed a job after graduating from said university. So it's been long, been a struggle, lots of rejections, but we in there now. So just want to thank y'all for praying, basically praying me through this time. I know spent a lot of time in MC, bringing it up there in prayer requests on how I was looking for jobs and how I was interviewing and getting turned down and interviewing and not hearing anything back at all. And so I was joking to myself, if I, if I keep up this streak of every time I preach, something good happens like this, uh, I'm going to ask Bryce to take over the bulk of the preaching, and maybe in a couple months I'll be a millionaire. <laughs> and as I was typing that joke, found out not long after that that my bank info had gotten stolen. And so I feel like the, the Lord was keeping me humble in that sense. But... Uh, as most of you know, I'm Morgan Putman, and I'm one of the, the guys who serves on the leadership team here at Vintage to serve alongside the, the elders and deacons and, and get to serve in a great way, do a lot of things behind the scenes, uh, like event planning, budgeting, and things like that, gathering offering and logging at, things like that. But every so often, I get the honor of preaching and presenting the gospel through the preaching of the word, and, and I get the that honor this morning. And so I would like to invite you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 35. That's where we're going to be this morning, Exodus chapter 35. And so if you've been around for more than one week, you'll know that we've been going through the book of Exodus, and we've been on that journey for a while now, and we took a slight break to go through a series, but we're, we're back in, in Exodus, and so we've seen a lot of things over the, I guess, the past year or so through the book of Exodus. We follow the, the journey of the Israelites from their time in Egypt to when they got out, when they were escaping from Egypt, chasing them. Uh, we've seen great power of the Lord. We've seen the power of the burning bush. We've seen the power of God through the plagues. We've seen, we've seen God carry them through a lot of trying circumstances. We've seen God uh, provide the law and the Ten Commandments for His people. We've seen what I'm getting at is what I'm getting at here is that we've seen a lot through the book of, of Exodus so far. And so, last week Blake preached out of Exodus. And we saw Moses encountering the glory of the Lord and how his face was was changed and how he needed a a veil over his face. And I was in nursery when Blake was preaching that, but I was eager to listen to it because through the nursery, through the screaming and playing kids, I heard Blake over all of them very clearly yelling. And (laughs) if you know Blake, he doesn't really get excited like that all that often. And so to to hear Blake get that worked up over the, the, the passage that he was preaching was encouraging, and I was looking forward to 
to hearing it, and I'm glad that I had a chance to go back and, and listen to it. And so if you miss a week, you want to catch up on the sermon or even hear some of our older sermons, I invite you to just go on to your podcasting app and search Vintage Church. I think it's Vintage Church DeSoto. Or just go on the Vintage Church website, and there's a, a tab in there where you can listen to it online on, on your computer. And so with all that being said, this week we're moving forward from that moment when Moses encountered the glory of God to, to now, where Moses relays the, the plans for the building of the tabernacle where God's glory will, will dwell. And so I don't know if y'all remember this, but a few weeks back, Bryce, uh, we were preaching through Exodus, and Bryce said we're going to skip over a, a small chunk of, of that that book because of the because of the nature of the text. We're not saying that it's not important to to read it and to study it and to know it and to go through it. But Bryce mentioned that it'd be difficult to to preach text like that that is such that is so heavy in detail, and that all the information that was in there doesn't really lend itself for a compelling sermon. And so a lot of what happens now was referenced back in some of that. And so if you want to see all the, the specific details of the tabernacle and everything that's going to be being built, you can, you can go and, and look at that throughout Exodus uh, chapter 26. And so what I'm getting at here is that this plan is not just something that's out of the blue. This is a plan that that God has laid out in the text long before this very moment. And the plans of, even so, the plans of building the tabernacle predate Aaron creating the idol. And so it's been in the works for, for a while because that was, that was many chapters ago. And so Moses was on the mountaintop getting the plans and the details for the dwelling place of the glory of God. And Aaron was down here creating false idols for the people. And so what I'm going to get at here in the, the text today, the thing I want us to see, the overarching picture, is that God is using his chosen people, and he's giving, or God is using his chosen people, and he's, they're giving their God-given gifts and contributions to create the, the physical dwelling place for for God's glory. And with that, I want to open to Exodus chapter 35, verse 20, and we'll start there. Exodus 35, verse 20 says this, Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service, and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were willing, of willing heart, brought brooches and earrings, signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat hair or tanned ram skin or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who, who possessed Achaia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen. All the women 
whose, whose heart stirred them to use their skills, spun the goats here. And the leaders brought the onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece <laughs> and spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. Verse 30. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, and cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of, of, As- of Asiamach, of the tribe of Dan. And he has, filled, he has filled them with skill to do every work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns, fine twine linen or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Chapter 36, verse 1. Bezalel and Oholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Oholiab and every craftsman in whom in whom the Lord or every craftsman in whose mind the Lord has put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him to come to do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel brought for the doing of the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing, in, bringing him freewill offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of work or every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the, each from the, the task he was doing and said to Moses, the people brought the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do so. So no man, wait. So Moses gave command, and word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the material that they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for the gifts that you gave the Israelites to, uh, to build the, the tabernacle. God, thank you for the heart that you gave them to build and to serve and to give. Uh, God, I pray that as I preach through this, that you will work on my heart and the hearts of those who listen, that we will have the same heart stirred up by your spirit to work and to give for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So most of y'all know we're a lot of people that are here at Vintage came from a Baptist background and me being one of them. And so I tried to fight it, but it couldn't be helped. We're going to be Baptist today and have a three-point sermon this morning. And a purposefully avoided perfect alliteration. As I was writing, I was like, this would be easy to to be 
the, the three G's of God's gifts, but I purposefully avoided that alliteration, so I'm not too Baptist. But there are three things I want us to examine from this passage. Point one is God gives his plan. God gives his plan. And so back in Exodus 26 is where this plan for the tabernacle, the tabernacle was laid out. It was in great detail down to all the measurements and everything that was supposed to be used and all the materials that were supposed to be built. And I'm not going to dwell on too much in this point here. I just want to use this to provide a framework that the plan of God is, is already in motion. And so, like I said earlier, God had this planned before the Israelites got impatient and Aaron crafted them an idol. It's the quick side sermon. It's, I found it ironic as I was reading this and as I was studying some of the earlier passages is that God was, was detailing the plans for exactly what it was that Israel was crying for. Israel was crying for gods to go out and to lead them and to be in their presence and to take them with them in their journey back in chapter 32 of Exodus. But God was in the process of giving, or giving Moses the details for God to dwell with them, to be in their presence, and for them to, to experience his glory even more so. And so it's my prayer that we never get impatient and that we never get so worked up on our own accord and so and, and act according to our own idolatry that we miss what God has planned and that we act outside of, of the will of God. And so Moses was receiving this word back in those chapters, and he was up there for a while, was about 40 days and 40 nights. And so I imagine him being up on the mountain for so long because he was taking such great and detailed notes on what it was that God had wanted. And so me being a person, I tried to relate what I see in Scripture to my own experience. And so it was easy for me to see that Moses was up there taking such detailed notes because in college, I was a horrible note taker. And I got through everything extremely quick, especially before, when I, before I started using my, my laptop or before I had professors who would allow us to use our laptops and I would have to write it. And thankfully, none of y'all had to see my writing because my writing is it's chicken scratch. It's lots of lines everywhere, a lot of things, a lot of half-written letters. And so I would get through all of my note-taking extremely quickly and just sit there and wait. And I feel like that kind of reflected my grade throughout many of my courses <laughs> because a lot of my, my grades weren't up to par, uh, up to par with some of my, my other college friends who took great detailed notes and they took their time and they studied their notes and they would do all these things, and oftentimes I would say, can I use your notes? Because I can't even read my notes. And so I think just to put myself in Moses' position, even without writing on stone tablet, I feel like it would have taken a great amount of time for, for that to happen. And Moses is carving these things into stone, very great and intricate details being carved into stones. And so I can imagine Moses being on there for all day and all night, just chiseling away at each and every little detail while mine would have been half carved into, into the stone. But 
we see earlier in the passage right before us that that God is, or that Moses is relaying the, the plan of God. And so in the earlier part of chapter 35, we see Moses telling the people of God what it is that, that God wants and what it is that God is commanding of them. And so we see that he tells them to gather goats here, precious stone, bronze, silver, gold, fine linen, etc., etc. And then we arrive to, to verse 20, where right after he gives the people the message of God, and says, this is what we're building. This is what we need to build, to build what we're building for the tabernacle. He sends them away. And some of the material that I looked at on this passage and some sermons that I listened to, a lot of them joke that this is a horrible fundraising tactic, that <laughs> you would never invite someone in, tell them that we, we need to do this. Like imagine me coming here before you and saying, we want to build a building at Vintage, and we're going to need this amount of money and this amount of skilled laborers, and I just said, go home without asking or without kind of provoking and using emotions for specific people to give specific things. So here we just see Moses says, here it is. Here's the plan of God. And I go home and, and think about it. And he doesn't ask for anyone to give anything in particular. And he doesn't ask for anyone to, to give a, a certain amount of money. He simply makes, the, makes known the need and sends them on their way. And I think, as I was reading this, I think it's important to note the difference between the plan of God and the plan of man. So we look at Moses. Moses presents the people with what God wants and then sends them home. Moses, and we see the, the people and how they react to that. Moses has to give command for them to stop giving because they, they've given so much. And we see that the tabernacle is built according to God's standards. And we see the people give far more than what is needed. And compare that to Exodus 32. When we look at Aaron, when the people say, we want a God, give us something, give us something to worship. And Aaron says, okay. And he tells the people, give me all your gold and all your rings. And he tells them to get their jewels on the spot, and he melts them down and uses his tools. And then he creates a, a golden calf that's made likely, Bryce spoke on this, likely made by false gods that they, they witnessed in, in Egypt. And then we see that the, the Israelites only gave enough for this idol. Aaron had to work with whatever it was that they gave him. And so the first thing I wanted us to show was God gave his plan, and run through that real quick. And the second thing that I want us to see here, and the thing that I'm probably going to spend most of my time on this morning, is that God gives his gifts. God gives his gifts. In James chapter 1, verse 7, it says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And so I bring this verse up from James because at first glance it seems that it's the, the work of the Israelites who are giving in such great abundance and the Israelites who are doing all these things and, and giving of all these things that, that God had required them for the building of the tabernacle. However, hidden in pretty plain sight, there are a couple key indicators that that show that it's really God giving the gifts here. 
First we see is that God or the hearts of the people were stirred by the Lord to give. It's God working in the hearts of his people so that they can give of the, of the things that they have. And we see that God worked in their heart of the people and filled them with g- tremendous generosity. That this was, that it was spoken that Moses had to command them to, to stop giving because there was much more than what was needed. They had all that they needed to build the tabernacle and then some, plenty more. But God's plan was at work long beforehand, and I'm a firm believer in the sovereignty of God, and I believe that he's working things out for his glory and for our good long before we can ever catch wind of it. And so if we look back into Exodus, we see that after the plagues, after Egypt and the Pharaoh finally agreed to let the Israelites go, we see that, the Lord, or that they plundered gold and silver and clothing because the Lord had gave them favor. And so they, they had all these things that way back when, from when they left to, to get out of Egypt, they had all the things that they needed for the tabernacle. And so we see all the way back when, God was already enacting and, and working his plan before even Moses had known about it. And so we see that God gave them the materials. So even before they had escaped, this moment was in the mind of the Lord. And I think it's important to, to keep this in mind while we navigate this passage that, that God is the giver of all good and perfect gifts, that we can give nothing good outside of the Lord, and that it's his spirit working in us to create generosity and his favor working to provide the materials for the building of this tabernacle. And not only did God give them the materials, but he also gave them the skills to do the work. God gave them the skills to do the work. And so I've often heard, heard it say that someone has a, a God-given ability or, or other, other ways it's been said is natural talent. But usually I would... I would take that phrase and just kind of wash it off, wish it away, like, yeah, whatever. Chalk it up to, to luck or to, to hard work. But after reading this passage, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense because God said so clearly. And he says, Exodus chapter 36, verse 1, Bezalel and Oholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And so it says God filled them with the Spirit of God. He filled them with the skill. He filled them with the knowledge, the intelligence, and with all craftsmanship. And God gave them this ability, gave them these things, these skills, in order to create something beautiful for the Lord. I can't help but think of of guys like my, my guy Stephen, and one of my other favorite musicians, Kanye West, and, and how they're both musical geniuses, and how, sure, they probably had some kind of formal teaching or, or formal training at some point in their life, but I'm very comfortable saying that these guys were blessed by God with a God-given ability and a knack for these things to have the skills that they have that can, you know, later be developed and later be worked out and later be, be fleshed out. I believe that God placed a desire in them for those things. And another example 
something that's more relevant to the situation because it's dealing with constructionists, Bryce Holbrook and, and Chip Gaines. As you know, I watch HGTV a lot, and I love Chip and Joanna Gaines, and, and I'm a close friend of Bryce, and I love Bryce and love the work that they all do. We see Bryce and, and Chip are both men of such high skill in their field of carpentry. And I know they probably didn't always have the skill that they have now because, you know, skills get worked out and they get developed and, and talent kind of has to partner with hard work to, to grow and to, to create the things that they've created. But I believe it was always in there, the potential for that, because of the way God wired their brain. And because of the way that God has placed them with such tremendous skill in those fields. And one last example to, to drive my point home, me and Stephen Curry. Steph Curry and I cut from the same cloth. As y'all know, Steph Curry is a basketball player, Golden State Warriors, shoots a lot of threes. God put a love of basketball into Steph Curry and, and into myself. And he has gifted us both with tremendous ability to fire that thing up there from 30 feet out and to see the ball go in and to shoot the ball at such an insanely, incredibly, miraculously high level. And so God calls people specifically and fills them with tools and with gifts and with skills specifically for his purposes. And not everyone is gifted in the same capacity. We see not everyone in this passage was gifted the same God-given abilities to work in those ways. And that applies to today. Stephen and Kanye, both talented and gifted songwriters. And Stephen, I've been around him while he's worked on songs, and I thought maybe you can do this here or do that there. But in the grand scheme and big picture, I can't contribute to a song being created the way Stephen can. And and Bryce and Chip are, are gifted craftsmen, and, and I've helped Bryce do a little bit small amount of work before, nailed in a couple things once or twice, but I don't have that same skill and that same gifting as Bryce does. And so it wouldn't make sense for me to, to work and to serve in the same ways for building and construction, constructing things the way Bryce is. And, and God hasn't given Stephen and Bryce the the shooting ability of, of me. And so they can't, they can't serve the Lord for entertainment purposes with basketball the way, the way that I can. Their gifts are better suited and better used somewhere else, just like the way my gifts are better suited and better used in other places. But there are gifts, or there are people with God-given gifts spiritually and physically. We see in, in Romans and in Exodus where the spiritual gifts are being laid out that there's teaching and preaching and exhortation and, and giving and, and serving and, hearts of, and having a heart of a servant, but not everyone is gifted in the same way. And it's to the glory of the Lord when we use the gifts God gives us to create beautiful things. When Stephen pins a, a song that we get to use and sing on, on Sunday mornings, it is to the glory of the Lord that he creates such a beautiful thing that we can use. And even though my my thoughts and views have kind of changed and shifted over time, even so beautiful buildings that were were built up back in the day and 
like centuries ago and even now, big, beautiful buildings, they can be a detriment, but they can also be a gift and a blessing to the work and the service of the Lord. They can be beautiful things that are created to use and to serve the Lord and to glorify God. And so God is a God of beauty, and he enjoys when we create beautiful things. He's a, a God of beauty, and beauty is one of his most essential attributes. And we see a quote by Philip Ryken. It's on the screen. It says, God called and gifted artists to craft beautiful things for the tabernacle because he himself is beautiful, and the tabernacle was a place to behold his beauty. A few weeks back, Bryce had, had preached, and it was about distinguishing yourself as a, a person of, of the Lord. And during that time, he used an example of, uh, he said that the, the Christian should be even all the more so better because they are working not for themselves, but for the glory of the Lord. And I believe that applies here, that as, as great as I think music is and some of my favorite artists and how the things that they create and how good they are, I think it's all the more better when, when Stephen pens a song or when Blake takes, or when Stephen and Blake together take an old song and create something new and fresh and beautiful because God is a God of beauty. And like I said, it's one of his most essential attributes. So if you're gifted in that way, write poetry, create beautiful music, create beautiful structures, Use the gifts of creativity that God has given you in order to create things that are beautiful to the Lord. And so we know that not everyone is gifted in that same way. Not everyone is, as we see in the passage, not everyone was gifted with the skills to to spin goat's hair and to create uh, garments out of fine linen. And so some gave gold, some gave copper or silver, some gave bronze. Use the gifts that you have, whether they be artistic or physical, to, to serve the Lord and to glorify him. An example of that was when Stephen wrote Centerpiece. We all weren't gifted in the same way. As much as I love Stephen and as close as I feel we are, Stephen didn't ask me to come in and to sing a solo <laughs> or to, to lay down a hot track or lay down a verse on one of his songs. Because as beautifully as I think I sing, we all know that it's, it's, it's the gift just isn't there. I'm gifted in other ways. And so one of the ways I was able to contribute to the centerpiece was giving on the Kickstarter and, and helping to fund those things. And so if you aren't gifted in those ways, in the way of creativity, use the gifts that God has given you. Use the skills that you have. Use the, the materials and the resources that you have. Use whatever it is that you have to give and to serve the Lord. And so let, the, let the, the Lord work in your heart and lead you to create and to help create beautiful things, which leads me to my last sub-point under this point, is that God gave them leadership. God gave them leadership. God specifically and specially equipped Bezalel, which I think is an incredibly dope name, and Aholiab, he filled them with every skill of the person that is working under them and the ability to do everything in order to lead 
and to oversee the work being done. Look at Exodus 35 at the end, uh, uh, 30 through 33. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by, by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled them with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting, for stone for, and cutting stone for setting and then carving wood for work in every skilled craft. And so we see that God calls and equips both leaders and workers to do things for his glory. And so imagine a, a company, like a Fortune 500 company. Not everyone is gifted in the way of leadership to be a, a CEO or a president or a vice president or, or anything that is in the, the scope of leadership. Not everyone is gifted in that way, but they have people who are under them who are who are gifted to serve and to, to work in those things. And while the, the CEO may, might not be the most, the most technical person in terms of the work that they do, they might not have the most skill in a specific area of their craft, they are gifted in the way of leadership. Just like how Bryce in the past has called Blake his, was it his bondo? They, Bryce and Blake are both gifted leaders, but they are not gifted with the same skills. And if you're ever in a meeting with Bryce and Blake, you see that fleshed out all the time where, where Blake is on task and wanting to get down every detailed note. And Bryce is giving out ideas and me and Steven are looking at each other because they're about to start fighting over something that's, that's minute. <laughs> I'm kidding, kind of. But, <laughs> but we see that God equips and calls leaders for his glory, his glory. We see many examples of this in Scripture with Moses, with the prophets, with the judges, the apostles, the elders. We see that he doesn't equip everyone in the same way. To some, he gives skills and gifts, and to some, he gives the capability to give financially. And even in that, there are variations of what people can give. As I was studying this, I was looking at a commentary, and John Calvin said, the offering and work of the poor was no less valuable than the work and gifts of the rich. And the thing that matters most is the heart that you give with. We see in an example of this in the New Testament in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. It said, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and the poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he, called to his, and he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she gave, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So let what you give and, and how you serve and how you use your gifts be determined by the Spirit of the Lord working in your heart. We see in the passage that, that God was working in the hearts of the people in order to, to allow them to give and to give tremendously. And I think that it's pretty well known in Scripture that God is a God of glory. And so a lot of times I think to myself, and it's just my own way of thinking, that 
that people who are good at things or that a lot of times people like to show off and to show their glory. And I believe that's what, what God is doing here. He's showing off his glory by working in the hearts of the people and allowing them to give and to give well and to give sacrificially and, and to give even more than what he knew was going to be needed to be given because he laid out the plans. God knew exactly what was going to be needed. He gave it to Moses. And so God was working in the hearts of the people. And I think to show his glory and to show how he can work in the hearts of people, even the stubborn ones who were at one time not long ago worshiping false idols, who at one time not long ago were were having a drink of the water of their idolatry. We see that there's been a shift here and that they've given more. They've given in abundance to the point where not just one person came to Moses, but the leadership came to Moses. And that even down to the people working on each thing came down to Moses and said, Moses, we have way more than what we need. Tell the people to stop. And it doesn't say this here in the text, but but in my mind, uh, see, I think of, of Moses sitting there chuckling, smiling to himself like, like God, you, you're showing out. And so we see the, the glory of God on display by how he's working in the hearts of the people. And I'll close with this last point. I won't be here long. God gives his glory. And I know that when I talked to Bryce, he gave me a specific passage to preach, and, and that this wasn't a part of that passage, but I'm going to ask Bryce to let me borrow Exodus 40 real quick, the end of Exodus 40, verses 34 to 37, say this. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, and Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all the journey, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not, then they did not set out until the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night. In the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. And so we, as I fast forwarded, the moment they have been waiting for and, and working toward was here. They finished the, the building of the tabernacle, and they were now in the presence of the glory of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for, for, for showing us your glory. God, through passages of old and, and even to this day, Lord, thank you for working in the hearts of the people to give and to give generously. Lord, thank you for, for giving the most of all of us, for giving us Jesus, God, and for, and for working on the hearts of, of people today to lead us to repentance and to faith in your most ultimate gift. God, thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.